Our final speaker on this panel is Trien Yale from the University of Brighton, who will be speaking on the secret dollhouse craft and resistance in Stalinist Estonia. Thank you, Sabrina. Hello. Sorry? will focus on the role of um, and the possible use of non-professional craft uh, as a tool of resistance against the uh, official power. Uh, I will be focusing on one particular case study from the 1940s Estonia uh, as an illustration to both the possible uses of craft um, uh, as a tool of resistance and also as an illustration to the uh, ideological struggles in the immediate post-war um, Soviet world, as, a, as Estonia had just recently tr uh, transferred from being an independent republic to under the Soviet rule. So, Soviet Union conquered Estonia in 1944. After that, uh, several uh, classes of individuals were repressed. Uh, mostly people who had previously had uh, uh, higher positions in the Republic of Estonia. Amongst them were uh, the ones who were uh, on a very difficult positions were uh, were the former military officials of the so Estonian Republic. And the main character, if I may say so, of this particular case study, Leonhard Lina. Uh, when he found out uh, who used to be a former higher military official in Estonia, when he found out that he was likely to be prosecuted and also uh, likely to be sentenced to death by the Soviet power, he uh, fled his uh, apartment where he used to live with his, with his wife and his daughter and he uh, instead hid in the, in the countryside in his parents' home farm. Uh, as he spent actually, in the end he spent 10 years there, uh, hidden in a small uh, covert in, uh, in a potato warehouse. He needed some kind of a pastime, for which he chose wood carving. And instead of uh, choosing random objects, he decided to replicate his old home uh, as a kind of a gift to give to his daughter, either in person or if he was um, captured then through other people. In total, Leonhard Lina uh, carved 217 <coughs> objects. In the end, he was, after Stalin's death in 1953, he was pardoned uh, and was able to return to his family. So I will start by showing some of the images of the objects that he produced. The details of those are actually, according to his daughter, uh, quite amazing as uh, even the decorations on the wardrobe uh, door are actually complete replicas of, the, of those that used to be present in his old family home. You can see the tiny uh, plates and tiny utensils. What's important to note is that um, Leonhard Lina's father was, uh, was um, working as a uh, well, he was, um, 
employed in wood carving, so that's why he pro that's why he processed the necessary tools and skills in order to produce these items. Um, here are some others. My personal favorite, I think, is the tiny uh, uh, cutboard with a knife on it. A tiny chessboard. Yes. I'm not sure if the... I assume that the carpet was probably a later addition because I don't think that he was actually able to weave carpets uh, <laughs> there, but... One object that I sadly don't have a good photo of was actually a, a, a tiny sweeping brush that he uh, made out of his own hair, which... <laughs> and books. Apparently, even the tiny baby carriage uh, uh, the image is, uh, of course, it's not a completely professionally made uh, replica of the image on, on his daughter's baby carriage, but still, the motif is somewhat similar. <laughs> the flowers are, I think, made of paper. My personal, another one of my personal favorites, a tiny collar and that actually closes and opens. So the craftsmanship of those four unprofessional crafts, it's, um, uh, it's quite good. Of course, he had time to work on those. <laughs> <laughs> and another four of things. As I will later explain, these are now positioned uh, at the Toy Museum in Tartu in Estonia. So, these objects can be interpreted in several ways. I will start by uh, uh, analyzing those objects as an embodiment of wider conflicts in post-war Estonia. As, uh, the, both the technology, the material practices and the stylistic appearance of those objects is actually a good illustration to the conflicts present in Stalinist Estonia. First of all, and for that I am very, very happy to be positioned right after Rebe uh, Rebecca, who <laughs> already explained the, so some, of the, uh, some of these conflicts, especially the one between craft and mass production. First of all, uh, the question of uh, production practices. Whereas uh, in Soviet ideology, uh, group production was uh, preferred, as um, also uh, were different uh, means of mass production, uh, and in general, uh, factory has a an ideologically charged location in the Soviet ideology. For example, Mar Maxim Gorky uh, interpreted the factory as a bearer of socialist values. So already the very presence of factory was a, a somewhat uh, ideologically important feature in uh, Soviet uh, mass production. 
whereas um, Leonhard Linas objects were produced, um, first of all, they were produced um, uh, in a situation where there was no uh, presence of the official power. They were produced as craft objects rather than being, uh, 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 being subjected to the wider uh, practices of mass production and they were uh, produced in, the, uh, in his own home. However, the most important um, uh, conflict, I would say, is one of uh, style. As uh, the, the emergence of uh, Stalinist power also brought about uh, uh, new stylistic tendencies, since they were mostly... Uh, the Stalinist uh, style was mostly influenced or not mostly, but largely influenced by uh, by Russian style, the personal, uh, uh, well, let's say, uh, want of luxury of uh, Stalin in order to uh, propagate the new power and also the historicist tendencies. Whereas the apartment that you uh, that you just saw is obviously a very much um, a typical 1920s, 1930s uh, bourgeois apartment. It is small, it is comfortable, and it has, uh, uh, well, it has absolutely no claim upon any kind of um, grandiosity or anything. So here are some examples of, um, uh, of ideal Stalinist interiors. This one is uh, 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 this one is a sketch for a public interior uh, as the kind of an ideal for Stalinist interiors. Public interiors were uh, aimed to be more important. Uh, their production was more, their production and design were more propagated by the power. And this is aimed, this is meant to be a, a communist party school in Tallinn. I don't think that it was or well, it was never actually executed as such. Um, as you see, there's a mural. It's uh, it's generally influenced by the historicist tendencies and meant to be grandiose in its appearance. And here is an example of a, uh, of a sketch for a, a higher bureaucrat uh, apartment uh, in Stalinist era. This one also, uh, it was submitted for a uh, competition in order to design new interiors. However, uh, it was never exe actually executed because of the post-war poverty. Mm -hmm. By the time Estonia was in, uh, by the time its economy was in a good enough state to actually produce um, new apartments, new interiors, by that time uh, Stalinism had already faded and instead it was to fall. So you see a definite stylistic clash between this one and the, uh, and the apartment of Leonhard Lina. It's much more official in its, in its appearance and the furniture is clearly uh, influenced by the historicist style that's uh, kind of trickled down into a uh, home interior. Another uh, another way of interpretation for this uh, uh, case study is uh, looking at the choice of um, uh, 
choice of object, aka the choice of symbol in the house, as to why exactly did uh, Leonhard Lina decide to replicate his house instead of uh, something else. Uh, one, uh, one important uh, feature to, to stress here is the fact that Leonhard Lina had a daughter, not a son. We, so it is a kind of, uh, let's say, a reproduction of gender roles that maybe if he had had a son, he would have decided to replicate some of his old uh, army guns or something like that. <laughs> but instead we have a doll's house as a very specific girl's uh, toy. However, uh, importantly, when we are uh, discussing the fact that he replicated his home, I would like to quote Glenn Adamson in his theory that craft is a way of uh, holding on to fragile values. And here, Leonhard Lina has uh, decided to replicate his house as a kind of a symbolic heritage for his daughter, as he had, uh, as a house is. Is historically the most uh, possessed uh, object of value that you leave behind <coughs> for your children. Then, in a Soviet um, context where private property had been abolished, this was a kind of a symbolic uh, house to leave behind for his um, successor, his daughter. Uh, in another way, uh, uh, focusing on Leonhard Lina himself. Recreating a home was a symbolic escape uh, from uh, from his covert and also the horrors of the past war. This way, although he was uh, in a clearly uncomfortable environment, he he recreated his uh, past comfortable uh, upper middle class home as a symbolic escape. Uh, while uh, in contemporaneous context, uh, unlike the other objects uh, discussed in this strand, this one was um, a completely non-professional craft and it was aimed to be seen only by a few people, his daughter and possibly his parents. So it had uh, no wider context to it in contemporaneous time. Uh, although it, it also had a significance as a uh, as a bearer of a specific ideology, it was a kind of directed, um, let's say, uh, uh, tool of, uh, I wouldn't like to, to use the word propaganda, but, well, uh, ideological tool in order to uh, uh, influence his daughter with the right kind of values. However, a few years ago, this uh, uh, this doll's house was donated to the Toy Museum in Estonia, by which it, uh, it acquired um, a public ideological dimension. It is quite interesting that uh, uh, the daughter of Leonhard Lina decided to give it as a toy museum rather than a history museum or something, uh, as it signifies that she herself did not see a specific ideological dimension to it. She still uh, saw it as a kind of a peculiar toy. I haven't had uh, uh, a conversation with her myself, but uh, reading the accounts um, from other sources, I s um, it seemed that she was never that fond of the doll's house herself. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah.
it's it's uh, it's difficult to say if it's due to the uh, if she just did not like that if if she did not like dolls houses or if it was just a uh, just a kind of a memory of uh, her childhood without without the father as. Uh, well, her father was hidden there for 10 years, since the time when she was one year old until she was 11. So, for her, I, I assume it was probably a painful memory. Uh, however, still, uh, even though uh, Toy Museum as a location is a somewhat uh, less ideological than, for example, History Museum, it still has a public ideological dimension, as it corresponds to a contemporary notion of uh, uh, this kind of um, uh, dialogue between national heritage and anti-Soviet rebellion, because it's it kind of um, uh, it has this sort of uh, very romantical aspect of it, the uh, man being hidden away in a cupboard, uh, uh, producing uh, a doll's house for his daughter. So therefore, it is also an an interesting. Uh, case study of how one object um, can, depending on the location, acquire a very different meaning and... So, sorry. And here's a picture of uh, uh, his daughter next to the dollhouse um, uh, in the museum setting. Thank you.